been uh, thinking a lot about the last 24 hours. I've shared this with a few people of Jesus and what Jesus chose to do in the last 24 hours of, you know, of him being alive. And he chose to hang with his friends. <laughs> he chose to have a meal with them, but he also chose to wash their feet and show them something about servanthood and the posture. Really, just showing us. And there's something about that posture of sitting at the feet of somebody. And that's really what I want to talk about tonight. Um, I want to talk about something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus says this, he says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I'm going to look at those two parts of that scripture, what it means to follow him and then what it means to be fishers of men. So if we can get that little picture up quickly with the feet. So what's up with the feet? What's up with the dusty feet, the dirty feet? So there's obviously a, I don't know, who's, who's heard this teaching before of following in the footsteps of the rabbi? Who's heard this teaching before? Anybody? So I might dispel one or two things for you, because literally five minutes before I came here, I felt the Lord take me into something and teaching me on this. And uh, because there's a lot of teaching about this and what happened. And we always say that the Jews would follow the rabbi, and it's because of all the dust that's behind the rabbi, and then the dusty feet. And there's a little bit more to the context of this, really, in essence. It's not just about walking in the dust of Jesus and following closely after Jesus. It's actually sitting in the dust of the rabbi. So, uh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you uh, are true. Your word is truth. And your word is light, Lord. And come and speak to us tonight by your Holy Spirit. As we look together at the scriptures and what it means to follow you, Jesus. And uh, open our hearts and open our eyes. And I believe we are ready to receive from you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, something that I've been reading about. So, there's a lot of these teachings going around about following after the rabbi and uh, covered in the dust of your rabbi's feet and uh, what it really, really means. And um, so, where it actually came from, it comes from the Mishnah. And uh, in the Mishnah, the Mishnah is a collection of rabbinic thought from 200 BC to 280 that actually still forms core beliefs of the Jews today. And this is written in Avot 1 verse 4, and it was a quotation from Yosef ben Yuzer, and he basically said this, he said, "'Let thy house be a meeting house for the wise.'" And powder thyself in the dust of their feet, and drink their words with thirstiness. That's really where this teaching comes from. It's from this wowser, yowser, whatever his name is, Ben Yuzer. And he basically said this is a teaching that allow the teachers, and they were actually at one stage, they were called sages 
or uh, the wise. Let the wise, in 70 AD, they called them the wise. Let them come into the homes and sit down, and then later they were called uh, rabbis. Let the rabbis come and sit in our homes and teach us. But obviously the rabbi walked all the way there. And there's a lot of dust, as you can see on the feet. And it's not just sitting or walking after your rabbi and following close after him. It's actually sitting so close. Like Paul said this, he said, I sat at the feet of his teacher was Gamaliel. He says, I sat at the feet of my teacher. So he says, basically, you be so full of the dust. That's how close you are. Now, this is my question. Who's your teacher? It's Jesus. What do we look like? How close are we to Jesus that his dust can be on us? That's kind of the question I want to ask tonight. How close are we sitting at the feet of Jesus? So we walk with Jesus. We talk with Jesus. That's great. So it's both these things. But I actually want to stress the one of sitting at the feet of Jesus. And tonight's preach is really just called sitting in the dust. Sitting in the dust of Jesus at his feet. Because it's, it's a closeness that is necessary. That is where Jesus, that's what he meant when he said, come follow me. Leave everything. Leave the things of the world behind. This is his disciples that he's calling. Fishermen. And I'll look at that word now, what it means. Because he calls them. He walks amongst them. And he says, you used to catch fish for a living, but now I will make you fishers of men. You see, this should be the picture of every disciple we are all called to walk closely, sit closely, and spend quality time with Jesus. It's not just about quantity, how long you sit at the feet of Jesus. It's really the quality time that you spend with Him. I mean, we're all busy. I, I, I preached on it at the beginning of this year. I don't have time. If you don't have if you've not listened to that preach and you didn't have time to listen to that preach, maybe it's a good time to listen to that preach on you don't have time. <laughs> I said this morning, for me, prayer life is in the shower. You know, naked I came into the world, naked I will leave. God knows me. He may deformed me in my mother's womb. So, so it's not like I am ashamed in front of him in the shower. I can talk to him in the shower. Sometimes I'm driving somewhere. I spend that time with the Lord. But it's not just I am putting out a, a large amount of time and I'm, I'm spending time in worship. I'm actually, it's my lifestyle. For these young up-and-coming uh, Jewish boys walking behind the rabbi and following and, and inviting the, the wise ones into their homes and say, come and sit Come and teach us. It's a lifestyle. Are you allowing Jesus into your house? Are you allowing Him to come and sit in your lounge? Can He come into your bedroom? Can He come into your office? And you can just sit at the feet of Jesus so He can teach you. It's a lifestyle. Of course, by spending 
uninterrupted time in his living and active word is, is, is imperative. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this. For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. As we spend time in God's word, this is what will happen. You'll start seeing that your thoughts and your intents are not always as pure as you think. That your thinking needs to be renewed. The Bible says renew your thinking by the washing of the word. It's like, you know what? Somebody said, but you Christians, you just want to brainwash everybody. Yes, absolutely. My brain is so dirty from all the nonsense that I've seen. All the stuff that I've heard as an unsaved person. I need some brainwashing. My brain is too dirty. I need the washing of God's word to come and wash me. I need to sit under teaching. I need to sit under God's word. It's important. Speaking to him, and we just spoke about that in prayer. So let me ask you this question. Or this question. Are your sandals covered? In actual fact, you know, one point, it's almost it's a, that, that word there that's in the Mishnah. It's basically to be dusted, having dust. Like a woman, you know, you get no puyerkis, no? Yeah, yeah. Like a, I see men do the puyerkis lately as well now. So the puyerkis, you know, it's like, but it's like when you sit with him, is that powder, is that dust? Are you, are you full of him? Are you full of his dust? Is that stuff on you? Are you looking like him? Are you smelling like him? Are you talking like him? Because that's what every young boy wanted to do. He said, wanted to be like their rabbi. That's what a disciple means. It's the, it's the, the Greek word, methetes, which means to be a, an apprentice. Who's the hairdressers? Oh, Sunal Yeyes. There you go. Sunal, you have an apprenticeship gedoen. As a hairdresser. What do you as an apprentice? You stand there and you look. And then you start doing it yourself, little by little. But you learn. That's what true discipleship is. I want to learn from Jesus. I want to learn from him, his example. So when Jesus says this to his disciples, to his methetes, come follow me. Do you think he's going to do a good job of teaching them to be like him? Absolutely. They knew him. They actually called him rabbi. But we're just fishermen. What do we know? Just come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Yeah, but I'm stinking. Don't worry. Come. Let's go. Let's go change the world. I smell like fish. Yeah, that's okay. Come. Let's go do this. And that for me is the heart of discipleship. This is the heart of evangelism. Jesus, come follow. You know, somebody once made a, a comment. And it says, a dusty Bible belongs to a dirty life. Maybe you need to blow the dust off your Bible for a change. 
I'm so dusty from, really, from the dust. But a Bible that's falling apart is used by a man and a woman that is spending time with Jesus. I mean, we're so sacred. Like, Bibles are expensive. I know, I get it. Buy a cheap one. Write in it. Like, it's the same word. Like, I don't know, we've, we've almost made it sacred. And I know there's something about this. I mean, mine has got stars in it. My wife found, you know, Christmas paper and covered my Bible. This is super cool. I know. Huh? Undercover. So everybody is like, yes, a skinky. But I'm like bringing them a Bible. Yeah. So here's the thing. Don't distract me. Okay. The Bible. But the Bible combined with the Holy Spirit is the inspired Word of God. So spend a lot of time in the Bible. Who struggles to read their Bible? I've asked this question before. Who struggles to read the Bible? There's a few people. I'm going to pray with you right now. Right now. Father, I pray that your word will become live and active in every single person right now. As they sit close at the feet of the one that teaches. That is the word. The word that became life and dwelt amongst us, like John says. Come alive for each one of them today. I pray in Jesus' name. Come alive, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. So Jesus said this to them. He says, come and follow me. See, this is not the first time that he commanded them this. He actually said to them earlier, months earlier, he said to, to Philip in John chapter 1, verse 43, he says this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Jesus is calling and, 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 and maybe tonight he's calling you. I know a call has gone out. Who wants to follow Jesus? But come follow him. Follow Jesus. And I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of fish would be transformed into fishers of men simply by being with Jesus. By spending time with the master. See, your gift might not be evangelism tonight. But still, each one of us are called to be fishers of men. So if we're not fishing for men, what might bring about a course direction, correction tonight? What, what do we need to do to change that tonight? Because if I'm following Jesus, and, I, and that's what he's asked me to do, then surely I should do the next thing that he's telling me to do, which is to become a fisher of men. So if we're not doing it, then maybe we should ask, how can I change my course tonight? I can tell you right now, fear is most probably one of the biggest things why people are not. And rejection, the fear of rejection. Who likes rejection? Not me. I'm, I'm that one in the four things. I'm the palm. I'm the potty animal. I don't want to be rejected. You know, where the party at? That's for me. That's who I am. So don't reject me. You know, I don't like rejection. But you must understand they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. I've realized that as a young man, reaching out to people, it's not because they don't like you. It's just they don't like Jesus that much. 
You see, from this passage that we read now, we see that Jesus is the one who would make fishers to be fishers of men. He teaches us how to do that. And how? Well, just like he did it with the first disciples, we need to hang out with Jesus. We need to be in his presence. We need to walk with Jesus. We need to talk with Jesus. We need to spend time with Jesus in his word, especially the gospels. If you want to get to know Jesus, go, go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We need to talk with him in prayer. Sometimes we just need to put our phones away. Just for a moment. To continue the conversation throughout the day. See, we need to keep that on-off switch on. <laughs> keep it on so that you can listen. So that you can hear. Because... That's another thing is we struggle to hear him. He's talking. The other day, somebody's like, man, I'm, I'm so struggling to hear the Lord. And then he says something. I go, but you just heard the Lord there. So he goes, what? I go, yeah. You just heard the Lord there. That's the Lord speaking. Oh, okay. So often we want to hear him in the thunder. Sometimes we want to hear him in the loudness. We want to hear him in the wind. We want to see him. We want to see him in the big things. Like to Moses, he says, I'm going to speak to you in the still small voice. Sometimes you just need to shut out all those noises of the world and the things of this world. Stay quiet for a moment. Jesus says, go into your room, close the door behind you and pray to your father in heaven. Maybe it's a good time. Just I know my wife. When she goes and she closes that door, eh, don't go in there now. Annabelle Rose, mom, mom, mom. Like, no, don't go in there now. She's crying in there. Let her cry. It's going to be ugly crying happening in there. That's good stuff. No, no, my wife needs attitude adjustment in there. That's good. I need it. We all need it. I'm going to get it at home. She's going to go. I'm going to go into the office now and cry at home. Yeah. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Unveiled faces. No more. There's no more veiled faces. I come before him, open face. No more un no, unveiled. We come to him. Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He changes you and me from a one degree of glory to the next degree of glory as we spend time in His presence. I want that. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says this. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Allow him to work. So this word fishermen, it's really just a term of explanation. In this case, it's simply meaning explaining the ones that are, whereby they were by the sea and casting nets. That's really what it means. These are things that fishermen do. 
And it was a good place for Jesus to find fishers of men. So it's literally a fisherman. is one that literally earned his living from the sea, catching fish. And Jesus introduced the great figurative meaning of men who would now be, ca- be catching men instead of fish. They would be evangelizing and winning disciples for Jesus. Fishers, fishermen on Galilee did not enjoy a very high social standing, but their work required skill and it was profitable. So they were not of high regard. It's not, it's not a nice job. What are you? Now I'm a fisherman. But you know what? Everybody needed to go to the fishermen. So be fishers of men. Why did Jesus choose these busy fishermen who had no theological training? So someone once said that when God looks for someone to use in a special mission, he looks for the person who is already busy, the energetic individual. That's why he's picking these men. These oaks are doing something already. They're already working. I might as well just put them into the right direction. Get busy. Get busy for the Lord. It's in that passivity. It's in that place of, uh, you know, in Afrikaans, there's a fast. You would say, Nog a bikkie slimer, nog a bikkie slaap, nog a bikkie haankies vou. Nah? Nah, that's what we do. And this who die winter kom, and we follow ons, and then we die. Lekker. The church is not like that. The church is not a passive place. It's not a place where we noch a bikkie slimer, noch a bikkie slaap, noch a bikkie haankies vou. It's not. Let's get out there. Let's get out there and tell people about Jesus. So I want to tell you a story. The story is about a man whose fame spread far and wide. When everyone else was catching two or three fish a day, he would come back with two or three hundred fish. Eventually, the local game warden decided to investigate because it just sounded too good to be true. On a certain day, the game warden showed up at the man's door, identified himself, and asked to go fishing with him. The man was agreeable to that, and off they went to the lake. When they got into the boat, immediately the warden noticed that something didn't seem right. The man didn't have any fishing poles or bait. He didn't even have a tackle box. All he had was a small bag. So off they went, chatting about this and that until the man maneuvered the boat to the middle of the lake. Without a word, he turned off the motor, reached into the duffel bag, and pulled out what looked like a stick of dynamite. Before the warden could say anything, he lit it and threw it into the water. It exploded with a mighty roar, and stunned fish by the dozens floated to the surface. The man calmly started his boat and began gathering the fish in his net. The warden said, now see, yeah, this is highly illegal. But the man just laughed and steered the boat to another part of the lake. He did the same thing with a second stick of dynamite, and sure enough, more fish floated to the surface. 
By this time, the warden had seen enough and said, Mister, you've broken so many laws, I can't even begin to count them. The man just laughed and pulled out another stick of dynamite. The warden kept on talking. This is illegal possession of dynamite, an illegal detonation of dangerous material and disturbing the peace and about a half a dozen other misdemeanors and felonies. While the warden was talking, the man calmly lit the stick of dynamite and handed it to the game warden. As he did, he asked him a question. He says, are you going to talk? Or are you going to fish? And there's a lesson in this. We, you see, there's a big problem. We talk a lot about evangelism. And we don't do enough fishing. We talk about it. We're good at talking. We're not good at fishing. Most of the time, we act as if Jesus said, follow me, and we'll talk about fishing for men. So we read books, we go to seminars, you know about seminar, nah? On seminar, kom jyltemal naar. Okay. <laughs> Just Afrikaans people got that one, eh? Okay, the English people are like, oh, explain to me, I didn't get that one. So we read books and we go to seminars and watch YouTube videos and we listen to podcasts and take training sessions and listen to sermons, just like this one. We end up experts talking about fishing for men. We know how to bait the hook, what kind of lure to use. We learn all about how to fish for the loudmouth um, atheist, which baits, works with the saltwater Pharisee as well. You know, so we, we know that. So we know what is good, what, what do we lure who with. Some people were just attracted by food, I think. And most of us have a tackle box full of memorized scriptures, clever questions, and some very old tracts. Remember what those things used to be, like these little tracts. Repent or die, you know. Turn or burn, you know. Those little ones. I used to, that was how people evangelized me. Turn or burn. Yes, we are good at talking about fishing. George Barna discovered that 9 out of 10 people who attempt to explain what they believe to other people come away from those experiences feeling as, they, as if they have failed. Get that. 9 out of 10 people feel like failures when it comes to sharing what they believe. No wonder we don't do much evangelism. It's not fun to do something that makes you feel like a 90% failure all of the time. And Barnard concludes with this. He says, despite the divine command to spread the word, many Christians redirect their energies into areas of spiritual activity that are more satisfying and in which they are more likely to achieve success. So we stop evangelism. And Jesus said, come follow me. Spend time at my feet. And I'll make you fishers of men. I don't know how to fish men. I don't. 
until I've spent time with Jesus. I'm not here to teach you just another way of evangelism. I'm telling you, spend time with Jesus. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Walk in the dust of your rabbi. Sit in the dust of your rabbi. And he'll teach you how to evangelize. He'll teach you how to be a fisher of men. You don't have to read another book about this. And all you need to do is really tell people about him and what he's done for you. That's how easy it is. I'll conclude with this story. I think I've told this before, but indulge me. There was this guy in, um, we lived in Oatsaran for eight years. And uh, we had one coffee shop. That one coffee shop is one owner. They're not four or five of the same coffee shops. But there's a coffee shop in Oatsaran. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and I was sitting in this coffee shop, and there was this guy that um, I would always see him work there, him and his wife. And one day, this guy comes over. One day. He comes over to me. He says, hey, bro, like, what do you do? So he spoke to a friend of ours. He called me the hipster of Oatsaran. I don't have skinnies on. I don't fit in skinnies. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's what he called me. So he says, hey, hipster of Oatsaran. He didn't even know my name. <laughs> so I was like, well, okay. So he says to me, what do you do? What do you do? I go, yes, bro. I'm a social engineer. So he goes, what? That sounds interesting. He says, do you work like social media? I go, no, no, I, I connect people. I bring people together and connect them. I go, yo, it's fancy, bro. Like, we need to talk about it. I said, no, I have another job as well. I look after somebody else's wife. So he goes, what? Like a bouncer, like a, like a bodyguard. I'm like, eh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. So he goes, what? That is amazing, bro. Like, really? So I go, no, I'm a pastor of a church. So he goes, okay, okay, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hipster of Oatsaran, social engineer, looking, what do you mean? And he calls himself an atheist. He doesn't believe. He's a Jew. Grew up in a Jewish home and did all the rituals. But at that point, I remember we had some other conversations after that. And then one day, I had the opportunity to literally share my testimony with this guy. Him and his wife. His wife grew up in America in the buckle of the Bible Belt. You know, Nashville there, one of those places. Texas, I don't know, somewhere there. Like literally in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Hallelujah. So she is just raging against any wise counsel, like any good Christian would be, hating everything that the church is doing. And, and she's influenced her husband. And the two of them sat in front of me and listened to my testimony. And this is what this atheist says. I cannot deny what you just told me. Because it happened to you. And he looked at me and he said, I know you're not a liar. Therefore, this must be true. Why? Because he observed me. 
over a period of time, as we became friends and we started talking, he started listening. Sometimes it's going to take time with people. Just love them. I know I was a bit cheeky with my answers, but it caught him. That was my lure. That was my little box. So don't use mine now. That's mine. Eh? That's mine. Searing is caring. <laughs> what do you do? No, I look after somebody else's wife. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to build with some people and just love them. That's all it means. Show them the love of Jesus. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men.